Hi, everyone. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Giallo, giallo, jolly. <laughs> okay. So in case you don't know what we're talking about. Giallo. <laughs> giallo. Giallo. <laughs> in case you think we've lost our mind. Giallo. Giallo. It's a genre of horror. Jolly. That we're going to talk about today. That's the genre of film uh, specifically horror thriller, really, um, crime drama that we're going to discuss today. And I just wanted to say no one ever pronounces it right. No. <laughs> Unless you're Italian. And when I didn't know any better, which was probably mm, two weeks ago when we talked about this episode, probably at some point, you know, Giallo or whatever, <laughs> whatever I may have said, um, you know, I'm going to mispronounce it a few times it, probably today. So I just wanted to get it out there that YouTube says that that's it's the way the Italians pronounce giallo. it. Giallo. Giallo. So, yeah, and it really just means yellow in Italian based which on is, like the, the paperback series. Yeah, which is what um, the Italians would call the yellow covered thriller novels that this genre is based on. Um, so they're basically. <laughs> Welcome. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's an Italian genre. Um, mm-hmm. Mystery fiction thrillers. It's usually just like blends the atmosphere and suspense of thriller fiction. Well, and it was made by FYI, made by like a subset of directors like Mario Bava, Sergio Martino. Um, Dario Argento only made really four Giallo um, movies, but like Lucio uh, Fulci and they made a bunch. Yeah, yeah. The Mario others, Bava. the others made a lot. <laughs> Mario Bob is really the pioneer of it. I mean, but. he he just like crapped him out. I mean, he has yeah. so many, and so many are terrible. Yeah, but it it was it, it's a combination of horror fiction, eroticism. Mm-hmm. We have uh, we're going to get into some tropes here, but it usually involves a mysterious killer whose identity is not revealed until the final act of the film. This is the as it wasn't this way in its origin, but as it evolved thinking about the black gloved killer yes who you see the camera is you know you are what do they call that first person or mm-hmm. whatever um where you see this a lot in 80 slashers and we're going to come we're going to compare how 80 slashers actually were really heavily influenced by this but it's the you know the camera is the killer and you see the black glove reach out like this is this is giallo yeah it's uh black gloves and knives is a lot of times what like the articles are called <laughs> a lot of sex and violence mm-hmm. um nudity nudity so it re- earlier giallo start it was like mid to late 60s and mm-hmm. it, that's when it peaked in popularity mm-hmm. until like the 1970s and then starting it started to decline from mainstream filmmaking over like the following decades. So even though it was still being made in the eighties, you really started to see it lose its popularity. Yeah, it's over. It's like a, I mean, there are, um, there are movies now that will be like in the style of, or an homage to Giallo. Yeah. But the, the genre is really dead. It's dead. Yeah. No pun intended. And I'm, (laughs) And I mean, film noir is sort of the American. I would say that this is a combination of Aaron Spelling's Dynasty. Mm. Deep pull. <laughs> crossed with an 80s slasher <laughs> and a little bit of Hitchcock, all thrown into a pot of porn. With. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really bizarre, but it's considered a predecessor to, yeah. and, and a huge influence into mm-hmm. the later American slasher film genre, which 
to me, that's obvious if you watch it. Yes. We have a lot of notable tropes. Grizzly death sequences, voyeurism. Oh, the first person perspective of the killer. That's the black love killer um, that we see a lot in those 80s films, like Happy Birthday to Me. Yes. Male sexual aggression. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it, 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 this genre is misogynistic out, out the hoo-ha. <laughs> Although it's interesting, you know, um, Joe Baba Briggs on Shudder actually did a uh, presented Deep Red, which is Dario Argento's 1975 offering one of his four offerings to this genre and he did a i love his commentary through his, this one yeah his commentary was really good and um if you've never watched this genre yeah joe bob's deep red episode yeah, i think do it is, that way. is a really good way because he talks a lot about yep what this genre was and the influences and he just has a lot of it was one of the first Joe Bob episodes that I watched that I went like, wow, this man is like filled with knowledge and the way he articulates. This is a really good episode. Agreed. So we recommend that. But um, I, so maybe a little way in because I know Kathy has a lot to say uh, is, is pretty knowledgeable about this, um, about the socio political nature of this genre. But I did want to say like, I had never seen deep red before. Mm -hmm. And so watching the Joe Bob version, which when I say that guys, that just means like that there's some commentary in it before, after and in the middle, which gives me context for the movie, which I really enjoy. It's a great way to see a genre that you're not that familiar with and that you would not actually be able to extrapolate those meanings if you're watching it. Because if you didn't know, the first 10 minutes of this movie is so melodramatic of this like parapsychologist where she is over. Melodrama is not my favorite thing when a million and two years ago when I was a theater actor, like melodrama was never my favorite um, genre to play. Um, And it still isn't my favorite genre to watch. (laughs) So when it started out that way, I was like, really? Because every list in the world says, oh, the top 10 and deep reds on it. Top 10 giallos. When you get past that after that initial scene, I actually really like deep red. Now, the one that I will I will admit I haven't seen, which is known to be uh, in this article, they call it the um, the Rosetta Stone for Gialli is Argento's 1970, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Yeah, it's one of his whatever bird trilogy they call yeah. it. So I have not seen that either. This, um, this genre is really criticized. Like it, it wasn't at its time, but now in retrospect, I think it's really criticized for being what we call exploitation cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time for us now, maybe. I mean, I, you, I mean don't know. It, you mean it was then, but it wouldn't be considered now. I don't know if it would be exploitive now. I just don't know. I think women in horror are much stronger than they were at that time. Yeah, and I also I th- I agreed, um, except for I also see, I, like, again, I'm not an expert in this genre, but, like, in Argento stuff in this particular, like, the guy is a buffoon. Oh, yeah, he's a complete idiot. So in that's this, interesting In this me. movie, yeah, that's which is not really the case in a lot of them. Yeah, and I think that's an Argento thing. Because if you watch 
Mario Bava's um, The Girl Who Knew Too Much, or it's called The Evil Eye. Mm-hmm. She is gaslighted through the whole thing. Yeah, and the detective sense. is like, do you, I don't know if you saw this one, but there's a scene. So she witnesses a murder and basically gaslighted that this this never happened. And the, the te- detective is just really, the only reason why he cares about this case is because he wants to rip her clothes off. And, yeah. you know, sure. And there's a part in the movie where she goes, oh, no. No, I can't. I can't. And he goes, I can't. I cannot control myself any longer. And on the they're on the beach, and he basically just assaults her, and she just becomes submissive. And that's this, a that's that sexual aggression is a real theme. And yeah, like, and yeah. so, but in so this is Mario Baba, and the woman in most of his movies. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he did Blood and Black Lace. I've got to look that one up. The women are well, like Black Sunday, notably and- looked at as crazy and hysterical and then there's also this it's it comes out accusate like there's an accusation of bisexuality or if they're a lesbian and how that's looked at as like this betrayal because it's very toxically masculine this Mm -hmm. whole you know um so and if you if if you follow a lot of the the tropes too is the women who usually get these women out of the situation are older, more assertive women that tend to be the bisexual or lesbian woman in the film. Okay. So they're looked at as strong, Mm -hmm. but then also looked at as problematic because they're a threat. Right. So it's really, I mean, there's so many like undercurrents of things in this genre that you look at now and you go, wow, that's so offensive. (laughs) I know. Um, And I, and I think I mentioned black Sunday just in passing just a minute ago, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that's considered giallo. I know that that's a horror. It's a gothic horror. And I and I have watched that one. Yeah, recently. Blood, sorry, Blood and Black Lace is Mario Bava. There you go. So this one, this Mario one, Bava and Black Sunday is Mario Bava. Okay. So, like just uh, for the audience, like I I am just learning about this genre myself. So what I learned was is that when I hear Mario Bava's name, even though he churned out a ton of giallo, it's not all he did. And then when I hear, um, you know, uh, Dario Argento, you know, it's like that he only did four. Yeah, but I've always associated, Jallo, yeah. you know, I've mm-hmm. always associated it's like uh, the king I, of Jallo. Yeah, yeah, you think that, but that's just not true. And so, what one of the tricky things for me as we learn about this and as we attempt to start to talk about this genre is it's like wait, is this one giallo or not? Like, you know, trying to figure out, does it have the, you know, six necessary tropes for yeah. giallo or not? And some of them, like you and I, Buddy, watched the uh, one that was a Mario Bava, Kill, Bill, Kill Baby Kill, but it wasn't a giallo. Right. Um, so Blood and Black Lace, so this one is, if, if you want like the quintessential stereotypical giallo film this is a good one to watch so mm-hmm. the story concerns the brutal murders of a roman of, of a roman fashion house's models <laughs> committed by a masked killer in a desperate attempt to obtain a scandal revealing diary how do we get hot women in the room and and constantly assaulted and yes all, but but i and will marginalized say and, yeah this one had a lot of creep factor to it okay. i actually liked this one okay uh, despite all of the the political incorrectness of it. If you're just watching it as a, for what it is, a cinemaphile, a cinemaphile. Mm -hmm. Um, sure. It's, I thought it was good. And 
it, but it has all like, you'll watch it and you'll see what I'm talking about, which is who she gains her strength from. And, um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's major and minor aggressively, right? Like it's like, yeah, there are these minor aggressions that are underneath the story that you wouldn't necessarily look at. You just look at it as campy. I think also this genre is, it's very atmospheric and visual. So, you know, vivid colors, bizarre camera angles, the music. And do you remember the song at the beginning of Deep Red, that children's song that's playing on the, it's all very bizarre. I will say though, the scene in Deep Red where he's playing the piano and he's writing that song. I don't know why I'm obsessed with that song. I think it's because it's so eerie Mm -hmm. and you know, while he's, here's the, here's the camera angle that I'm talking about. He's sitting down at the piano and the door's kind of cracked open and you're, you're in that first person perspective from the killer again, watching him. So you get to be, which is so rare. We're usually in the vulnerable position of the victim in Jalo. A lot of times you get to be in the position of the killer and sort of following and in that mindset, which I think really makes it different from a lot of horror at that time. Yeah. At the time. Sure. Absolutely. Now, now the killer POV is like all over the place, all over the place and obviously popularized by um, Friday the 13th, but like, right. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the other things I want to say about deep red is, and it was just an effective tool that he used because he did it on purpose, but the music in this movie I want to like stab my ears out in deep red. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's loud, you know, the way, and again, I don't know how it was originally mixed and there's uh, 45,000 versions of this movie, but like it's, it's it's the seventies. So it has that like, I know, but, but on purpose, it's supposed to agitate you. Yeah. So it's incongruent with what's on the screen is what I wanted to point out. um, Cause we use these psych terms all the time, but like, but the affect of the music, meaning the emotional like feeling of the music is different than what's happening on screen. So it's disjointed and again, incongruent to what, so you know how movies scores usually we're watching and it's like, Oh, it's scary. So we hear the tinkle, tinkle, tinkle of the piano, or we hear the like, home, you know, the mm-hmm. like scary tones or whatever. And it mirrors what we are supposed to feel as an audience mm-hmm. and an effective score. You won't notice as much because it will just bolster the feelings the filmmaker has already made. And you'll, it'll actually go relatively unnoticed. Mm. And so because the score is supposed to support the emotional feeling that the filmmaker has hopefully already instilled in you. So Again, movies fail on this a lot, just like we all fail at things. Mm -hmm. But in this one, he's intentionally not doing that. Right. (laughs) And he's intentionally dropping the camera and throwing it around. And the, (laughs) and the colors are totally bass backwards. It's too colorful. It's too, so again, if you're watching this (laughs) genre for the first time, just know these things are part of the genre and they're on purpose. So yeah. hate, hate them if you like. Yeah. But the music, I wanted to stab something. No, that's a really good way of um, describing that. A- another uh, one that's been redone um, that many people have seen the remake, but not the original is Suspiria. Oh, yeah. 
That movie's incredibly disturbing. But that's not considered just uh, di- giallo. Giallo. It's, it's it, in one of the articles I'm reading. I know. A lot yeah. of people talk about it as that. Um, I think because it's of, actually horror. Like, it it is know, horror. But it's supernatural. But I do think that it has a lot of the, the artistic mm-hmm. qualities, okay. the camera angles, the blood, the really... Yeah, and, and then just, I mean, this is an argument that people have, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but go ahead. You, you, um, it but, has some of the stuff you're familiar with, with yeah, the genre. And I think it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, and it's a really disturbing movie. Um, yes. So there's an article called, <laughs> so it's funny. I have two articles. One is called Jalo is the horror jum- subgenre you need to explore. Mm-hmm. And the other one is called It's Time to Bury Giallos. Um, so <laughs> it you has can, been buried, in my opinion. But yeah. So you can tell that there is a... Oh, my God. There this are is people, such a divisive... I mean, if we don't get hate about this episode, I don't I know. know what episode we'll get hate about. <laughs> um, probably the Amanda Knox. We got a lot of hate on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got some good hate on the Amanda Knox episode. But I think that... Um, if you're, I think it depends on how you look at it. Artistically, it's it's really it's standalone. There's some mm-hmm. really weird, creative, artistic shit that's never been done, or or and they think they took a lot of risks. Some of them were bad choices, but sometimes it really worked. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it from that standpoint, then just that concept of it's the horror jo- subgenre you need to explore. I would agree with that because yeah. it's just we did. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, but then I also agree with the fact that it's time to bury it because it's it's so exploitative um, and so outdated and 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 just not good. It, it's just not good. Like the the movies, the ninety percent of them are boring. I do I do find them to be quite boring. I mm-hmm. have to say, for you fans of this um, of this genre, you know how we all have our stuff we like. It's just this. And I'm not even talking about the sort of sociopolitical rough stuff about women in these movies. I mean, not, I'm just like setting that aside. Like, I just get straight bored. Yeah. I get sleepy. So it might be generational, you know, time frame wise. It might be cultural. It might just be that I, I just don't enjoy the genre as much. And I did endeavor as we were preparing for this episode, and I'm actually going to continue that journey from time to time is I want to find the gems. And so, and I feel that deep red is one of those, you know, it is. And it sounds like, um, the, I liked, I liked blood and black Black lace and blood and black lace. It sounds like you enjoyed that. I Mm -hmm. have not seen that. So I feel like that, you know, I'm looking at like top 10 lists in this area and I want to find the ones that I actually enjoy. Now, obviously there's going to be stuff that everybody loves or what have you that I'm not going to like, but, um, like, I mean, I watched some Bava, you know, black Sunday and some others. And I, what I, what I was feeling like is it's like, maybe I just don't like that particular filmmaker. Maybe. I mean, I also think you just, this is a, this is a genre where, and not that either one of us are offended by this because we are in a a field of psychology, but it's also people who really enjoy, like, it's very, um, fetishistic, like very, you know, you really have to be not, and I don't mean this sexually, but sort of turned on and amused by this really uh, attention to, 
women in a very objectifying, you know, like this article is talking about how the, the attention to detail of hands, shoes, eyes, hair, knives, women yeah. being this sort of sexualized object, even in an art form, like I'm taking the sociopolitical piece out of it. Like, does that draw you in that whole thing? Cause it's, it's very fetishistic. Absolutely. And here's what else, and that's a good lead into something I wanted to mention was I watched this movie called the night Evelyn came out of the grave and the I fun, almost watched that. How the, was it? The fun thing about Yalo is, is these fun titles. Yeah. <laughs> Like what she was talking about, the bird, um, the bird trio, the three movies that um, Argento made with like an animal mm-hmm. theme in them. They all have wacky fun names as well. Um, so it, just real quick, this is a 1971 Italian um, film by Emilio Maraglia. Yeah. So I don't speak Italian. Obviously, I can't even say giallo, right? No. I mean, I want to say jello. You sound like your tongue just stopped working well and it doesn't work well in an english sentence it really doesn't (laughs) because of that whole different language thing yes so i the reason why i'm bringing this up now is because i enjoyed this film and it's entirely fetishistic like more 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 s and m than any of the other giallos that i watched okay now i didn't watch you know 40 of them because i just can't do that right in a month right over the next few years i will absolutely throw in a giallo from time to time because i would like to absolutely learn yeah, you more binge these no and that was what i didn't know <laughs> <laughs> i really tried there was this one day where i really tried but during the first one i was i thought i don't I don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm going to lose consciousness. Now this one comes up night. The night Evelyn came out of the grave comes up on a lot of lists. Yes, it does. So the audience, you know, isn't the audience and the critics don't necessarily agree, but it does come up on a lot of like must see giallo movies. And I believe that is because of the fact that it holds true of all the tropes. Mm-hmm. So the idea is a decent, a descendant, sorry, not decent. He's definitely not decent. A descendant English Lord thinks his second wife is his first wife back from the dead. So that's the basic premise, but I can tell you that like it goes off the rails pretty substantially after okay. the first hour or so. So I'm wondering if one of the, Two things. I am wondering if the reason why it shows up on a lot of lists is because the second half of this movie has a lot of twists and turns mm. and on like things that happen that are unpredictable um, and a lot of like deep fake type stuff. So that might be one of the reasons. Um, another reason might be that the star of this movie, Anthony Steffen, is sort of the Italian Clint Eastwood of the time oh. type of thing. So it was very, he's very, he was very well known, which I didn't know until I sort of looked into this. Mm-hmm. Another reason why it might have been so popular is that what keeps you interested in that first hour is that there's lots of nakedness. Yeah. Um, and again, I had been watching some of this peri- time periods movies 
and thinking like, hey, where's the sex? Where's the sexuality? And I wasn't really getting it. Like Deep Red doesn't have that really. No, um, but, but a lot of the ones like mid 70s, early 80s have much more. Like the earlier ones are way more conservative in that. Right. And what yeah. I learned too is this whole idea around Argento only did four of these movies. Like, right. and here I am being a total noob thinking like, oh, he's all yellow, he's which all of course is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he was a musical composer. He did a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. It's like between 70 and 75, like... Uh, years 1970 and 1975 like there's like bazillion of these things made and he only made four i think it says something about him though that he made four and his name is at the top exactly. of the list exactly because the 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 quality i would say hypothetically 50 percent of those you know two out of those four are are good movies well and what's interesting about it too is that argento has like the incompetent male yeah who, who comes who isn't italian Right. <laughs> FYI. So there's a little, you know, male against like jab, male. Little jab. There's a little male yeah. against male uh, ribbing going on there too, because it's like the, because in Deep Red, there's this female mm-hmm. cop or whatever, that it's incredibly competent and is always ahead of him. That's right. And he's the incompetent one, but the story's about him. So anyway, what I was going to say was, oh my goodness, off on the giallo tangent was that in the first 45 minutes or so of um, the night Evelyn came out of the grave, there's lots of breasts frolicking. A lot of boob-foo. For anybody who likes breasts, there's a lot of boob-foo. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of, like, frontal lady-foo. I think you say frontal lobes. <laughs> there's frontal lady-foo? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we'll call it for the sake of political <laughs> correctness, um, just because I don't feel so, like saying the P word right now. So this is also in line with our 80s slashers. Okay. So, oh, wait, one more thing. Yes. Well, sorry. Go, One more thing go. before on this movie, if you are in turned on by the boob foo and the frontal lady foo, <laughs> you will also be turned on. I just love saying those words. Um, you will also be turned on by the fact that there is in that first hour, heavy BDSM play mm-hmm. for the time period. That's huge for the movie for that. So seventies, et cetera. I can see how this might have been extremely um, interesting for American audiences at that time because there's some real BDSM play. There's Mm -hmm. tying up. There's getting hot over it. There's women asking for it. There's um, you could you could feel turned on by that Mm -hmm. if if that's if. Um, if you are a woman who wants to be submissive in a consensual way, FYI, not talking about um, there is consensual in this movie and right. non-consensual okay. because he thinks his dead wife is back from the dead and he hires hookers to kind of play the part. But then in the middle of whatever they're doing, he will have a trauma trigger delusion that it's his wife and I don't want to give it away, but Mm -hmm. the wife was not um, an angel. And so the trauma trigger is how she betrayed him. And he will wake up to that in the middle of whatever play they're doing and then kill them. Right. Um, And then he marries one of them who looks like his ex-wife, his dead wife. And then the whole nother story takes place. So it's very, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Anywho. But I think that, I mean, I see how people make that connection of how that rolls into torture porn and slasher and where all that became big in America. Yeah. So uh, the three similarities that we see 
that most people will make that connection between the slasher film mm-hmm. and Jalo are the slasher is the central focus. So the black loved killer, especially in eighties, you know, we're talking about slashers here. Number two is the final girl. There's always a final girl. And then number three, the high body count. So this is something that we saw translate into early to mid eighties horror. Now this, this is where most people get or most women or anyone who's considered the feminist men can be too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the psychology of Jalo and the women that leads. So this article talks about um, the female protagonist in this genre. So the the film uses thriller elements as a reflection of her own fragile mental state. So it's someone who's just, you know, really unstable. Um, or clearly remembers something wrong and she's going to be told by a male authority that she's unwell or that didn't happen or she's imagining it or she needs to be really protected. Um, Then the the forbidden, um, it's called the forbidden photos of a lady. So troubling exploration of the psyche of a woman repressed and controlled by stronger people, a cycle of abuse which she allows to happen until it almost drives her insane. And then the trope of the usually naive or innocent woman protagonist caught in the world of sex, death, and intrigue, and only through her friendship, this is what I was talking about earlier, only through her friendship with an older, much more worldly woman, often bisexual or lesbian, does the um, does she make it out alive? Mm-hmm. You know, does the heroine make it out alive? So these are some of the themes that now, you know, people look back and go, oh my gosh, like this is, yeah. so wrong and it yeah right but in the early 1970s totally acceptable yeah i mean i think in it was 60s. i think it was pushing the envelope certainly for american audiences mm-hmm. of acceptable but it was definitely playing into you know the gender roles that were still happening um in in like whatever every family basically right in america at least culturally and like in the press let's put it that way um or what was what our what our vision to the rest of the world was what Mm -hmm. our image was it was playing into that but then but then see so even just with you listening to you list those i'm very aware of the fact that the night evelyn came out of the grave Although there are all of these um, qualities, it's just like any genre. Like if you just say the horror genre, there are certainly rules within the horror genre. That's right. Things we expect. So Giallo has those too, like things you expect. So whereas the night Evelyn came out of the grave has a lot of the things that you expect, which I just listed before. It's a lot more than you expect. And at least than I, again, noob, uh, but also, just hearing you list those things, there's a few things on that list without spoiling the movie because I do I do think it's worth a watch if you're interested in the history of cinema. Uh, there's a few things that aren't that don't happen that that don't that aren't right in line with those things. And the same with Deep Red. That's right. So that's why I think those two movies in particular, and I'm sure we could look at any top ten list and watch more of them. That's why they make the list. Yep, it's because they actually take the genre. And have enough of what you expect and a twist on what you expect. So that's true of every genre we watch. Yep. That's what makes exceptional films mm-hmm. is having enough of what the audience expects layered with some kind of new way to do it. Or like a little surprise, a little surprise a little twist. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that would make sense because that was towards the end of the genre in the seventies and eighties. We were seeing a, some, you know, this is a few years away from Halloween mm. and Laurie Strode. And we were seeing, but if you go back to the sixties and you look at the girl who knew too much, yeah. Um, first of all, it now would, you know, it's also called evil eye. Yeah. But you know, let me go back to this list real quick. It also today, um, it would be called the woman who knew too much. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a grown ass woman. That's right. She wasn't a girl. So even that. Absolutely. And so that, that just brings us to full circle to how much culture, personal perspective, time frame, gender norms, politics. And how a genre can evolve. And how genres evolve. If you look at 20 years of Giallo, you're, and you watch one and you think, huh, I don't know, like, ew, or whatever. Like, maybe take a look at something that was made 10 years later or right. 10 years earlier and take a look at it. And then that sort of ties into what we always talk about on the show, which is context. Yeah. Context in the whole of the whole thing. So that's the kind of fair shake I'm trying to give Giallo as far as a, genre, a whole genre. I never want to dismiss, just like I wouldn't dismiss a whole group of people or a whole um, person. Right. You know, like I might dismiss certain traits of someone. Right. I'm going to dismiss certain movies in Giallo as being boring, mostly. (laughs) Mostly. Because I can put it in its proper context of like, okay, this is the, this is what they were doing and Mm -hmm. it doesn't play now. And I'm so glad we've grown past it. Mm -hmm. But I can also go like, oh, that's fun. He tied her up. Okay. You know, and she wanted it. Okay, great. That's fun. Yeah. If it's a different context, not, not as much. Right. It's like it, it, it wears on me. But, um, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm ambivalent to exploring the genre more because mm-hmm. mostly because I'm I do find a lot of them dull. Mm-hmm. And they were um like soapbox crime dramas. Yeah. Now, I find the same with film noir. I don't like all the film noir films, but there are so many good ones. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is because culturally I understand it more because it's American. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that's one of the reasons. But I, I, my ambivalence is just that like, oh, sitting down to a, a bo- really boring movie is hard to do. Like I, I wouldn't come over to your house and we would do a, like a Jalo night. No. No. No, but I do like, like as people recommend them to me. So if you say, oh, I enjoyed Blood and Black Lace, I'll say like, okay, I'm going to watch that. Or if you say Evil Eye is a really good representation of a Giallo, an early one, I'll go, okay, and I'll watch that because I can see the reason. So if you guys uh, like this genre, love this genre, completely disagree or agree with anything we've said, I would love to, I would love for you to reach us outreach out to us on social media, either Instagram or email or Twitter and just say, Hey, you know, actually there's these three films that I think would really change your mind or Mm -hmm. would really amplify your knowledge of the genre or, Oh yeah, I hated that one too. Or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to say is fine with us in that way. Because, because I would like to, I would like to be friendlier with now that I know how to say it. Giallo. Mm-hmm. Giallo. That's Giallo. And that's singular. Right. Jolly is plural. Is yellows? <laughs> it's plural. 
It's it's all of them. It's all, all the yellow. It's all the different it's, kinds of yellows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the books. Neon yellow, canary yellow. Right. The jollies. Sunflower Can yellow. Can I just call it the jellies? The jellies. jellies. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering what it would be like to read the books. Oh, God. Oof. Oof. I'd need Cliff's notes. Cliff's got some notes, and he's willing to help you out. I really, I have enjoyed this conversation. I have learned things. Excellent. And I have learned things that I didn't know I knew inside of myself. <laughs> Because of the jellies. And so much more boob food to Yeah. Come. So it's almost Happy New Year. Please turn tune back in um, on New Year's Day for our New Year's episode. We so appreciate you joining us on the journey to explore Giallo. And we'll see you next time. This is Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.